Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. A couple of years ago, back in our 49th edition of Vision on Sound in September 2021, I welcomed Andrew Mark Thompson onto the show for the first time and we spent a happy hour discussing his artistic life, creating his witty television-themed illustrations and graphic images and about how his love of archive television inspired many of them. His creation of spoof adverts featuring characters from shows like Sapphire and Steel being used to promote products that never actually existed had given Andy exactly the kind of internet presence that draws attention to people. And little did I know at the time, but even as we recorded that show, he was on the very brink of being commissioned to produce a collection of his artwork in book form. Two years later, and here in the summer of 2023, that rather beautiful book is in the process of being released at last into the world, courtesy of David J. Howe and his Telos Publishing Company. The book is called This is a Fake, after the words infamously scribbled onto the back of several Mona Lisas in felt-tip pen by Tom Baker's Doctor Who in the story City of Death penned by Douglas Adams in 1979, and is a lovingly crafted volume of delightful and witty works of art which somehow manages to weave an alternative history of the Doctor Who series that we sort of know and love, and many of the television shows existing alongside it, as seen through the kind of promotional material that could only exist in some other, far stranger, parallel dimension. So the book takes us on a visual journey right back to Doctor Who's post-war radio serial roots that would inspire so much incredible, familiarly unrecognisable merchandise and even a celebratory garden fate held in deepest, darkest Sussex that led to a specifically 1960s form of traffic chaos. Sadly, as this book is indeed a celebratory pastiche, none of the products pictured within has ever been produced or placed on sale, which is in several cases rather unfortunate, as there are many that archive TV fans would have snapped up in a heart's beat. Obviously, with a brand new glossy and shiny fresh great big book to promote, Andrew Mark Thompson has been busily doing the rounds promoting his Magister piece. So I was rather delighted that he, or at least someone who looks and sounds very much like him, has taken the time out of his now frantically busy schedule to join me once again to spend a rather delightful hour talking about how the book came into being, his processes, ideas and inspirations, some of which I hope that you might actually not have heard before and I hope that you enjoy spending time in his company as much as I did. So let's fire up those 100% genuine sounding Fab Radio International time engines, place a half crown down on the newsagent's counter to reserve the latest part work, build your own radio series, and head off into an alternative universe where not everything is quite as it might initially seem. Hello, Andy. How the heck are you? Hello. This is the Singapore jury. <laughs> and here are our answers to the points thing. Why, oh, Mooney? Sorry, I, I have to get it out of the way quick. We do what we do. That's fine. So about 100 episodes ago of the show, believe it or not, you and I had a bit of a natter about your artwork and how it relates to your television life and, and everything oh, like yeah. that. Yep. And here we are two years later and... Well, you've got a book out. Yes, I have a book out. It, it's it's a wonderful feeling that for someone like me, mm. who about 
20 years ago when I was at uni, mm. discovered that I don't have the stamina to write long form. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very, very... I, I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD, mm. uh, attention deficit. So one of the things is that I, I can't concentrate on things for long periods mm. of time. But at the same time, I have to focus on single things. Like I, I'm not mm. a very good uh, multitasker. Well, ah. Typical bloke there is, isn't it? Mm. You know. Does that mean you just get very focused on what you're doing? And... I get very focused on what I'm doing, and I tend to do things very, very quickly. Sometimes mm. a bit slapdash. Mm. I get get the thing out of the way quickly before my mind turns to something else or is distracted by something mm. else. And that was one of the problems with putting the book together mm. was doing, you know, going in these sort of spurts of a week mm. or you know. Yeah. doing lots of bits and pieces for the book, getting pages done, you know, at the rate mm. of two or three a day, mm. and then suddenly being distracted by something else and uh, going off and spending several weeks doing other things, you know. It, it, but it's the fact that I've managed to get it all together and put it mm. all together. and That's an achievement in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Dear David J. Howard, Telos Books, putting mm -hmm. everything in order for me. Excellent. And, and being well, very, very patient. <laughs> well, perhaps we should mention what the book is before we start. Oh, yes. It, the book is, it's a, it's a document with pages that mm -hmm. things printed on. <laughs> That's what a book is. Seriously. It's called This is a Fake, and it's a collection of cult television things that, well, that don't exist. Mm. Let me clarify that. I, this, this different things I postulate in the book. Hmm. through design that sounds really posh that does i postulate these <laughs> things through design is is the fact that there was a say if you're familiar with doctor who there was chumbly mania hmm. back in the um in the 60s just hmm. after the daleks completely hmm. failed to capture the public's imagination hmm. the chumblies did hmm. and I, I do a load of chumbly products like you know the chumbly outer space book and hmm. uh, a chumbly ray gun or a drive-in ray gun. Well, you've been doing this for your own entertainment. For Yeah, I do it for my own entertainment. It's, it's things I couldn't have when I was little and things mm. I, I really want now, mm. right? And I think that, that's, that's the key thing about fandom as a whole, mm. not just Doctor Who. I think now that it was widely stated by academics that fandom is very much a passive thing. Mm. You, you let, you, you adore the programmes or... The thing that you adore, yeah, it happens, right? And you don't participate in it. Mm. You've got no control over what you're watching. But nowadays, you've got very talented fans who create incredible costumes, write, mm. write incredible stories, write, you know. And the fans are actually in charge of Doctor Who at the moment, aren't they? Mm. You've got, you know, Russell T. Davis, Stephen Moffat, mm. and Chris Chibnall. They're mm. all fans at some mm. point. They've all contributed to fanzines. They've written Doctor Who novels in the past. Mm. You know, it's the, the fans are in charge. Mm. We talked about you doing the Sapphire and Steel advert, yeah, which is several years ago now. And you talk in your in the book about the the fact that you were doing Target book covers. Yes, which came first? The Target book covers is a separate thing. I mean, I I mm. I, I went through a bad bad spot about five or six years ago mm. and needed something to um distract time in mind you know everyone needs to do something creatively mm. you know even the most uncreative people out there need to create mm. something 
to, you know. Mm. And I, I'd started doing Target book covers for the new series. Well, we call it the new series, don't we? But it's mm. been going so... It's venerable now. <laughs> the, 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 Nearly two decades old. I, I prefer to call it the current series. <laughs> it's nearly Longleat years old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I started doing, doing Target book covers for them, mm. starting with, with Rose and going mm. through... And I posted them on Twitter, and, and people mm. started to like them. And then I started mm. doing, you know, I not lost interest in them. Mm. This is again, this is the ADHD. Mm. I had to do something else. So I, I, and I did this sapphire and steel advert for a mm. sapphire and steel lolly and posted it. And the whole thing went. It sort of mm. went viral. Not mm. not viral in the sense of um, millions of people no. tweeting it and whatever but viral in the sense that i got replies to it and mm. I, I wrote well it depends how you look at it i accidentally put it to it could be shared to anyone on facebook mm. which is the kiss of death mm. and people were replying to it i'd, I'd never heard of no, don't mm. know said oh i remember sapphire and steel mm. but more importantly they were they were replying oh i remember sapphire and steel ice lollies <laughs> And it's sort of a reverse, I don't know, sort of the, that Mandela effect hmm. where people remember things that never happened. Ah. You know, and I, I put something in front of them and it triggered hmm. something in them, that a vague memory. And In an era of fake news, that's kind of interesting, yeah. isn't it, really? Well, they assume that the evidence was in front of them. Mm. When it, it's not actually evident, it was a piece of art, and they mm. couldn't work out that it was a bit of a silly thing. I mm. mean, I, I, I always say, if you look at the picture it's a picture of a blue ice lolly with a stainless steel stick <laughs> sapphire and steel right mm. and if you look carefully at it I, I say look carefully at it but it just it doesn't quite come off how i originally wanted it to that the stainless steel stick is actually a knife mm. and to have a, a, an ice lolly with a knife in it it's a kind of dark spoof yeah it is and mm. i don't think it, it taught me something yeah the reactions to it the fact that people were mistaking it for the real thing, mm. that I had to put, and everything I do now, I, I put something absolutely absurd mm. in it, even if it's just something on the copyright notice that yeah. that will say that it, it's a fake. Mm. Because otherwise, yeah. yeah. You have a kind of mind that just takes bits and pieces and brings them together and, and can actually parody them. I was flicking through the book earlier, and I'm impressed really by... The little bits of real world stuff that you've put yeah. a little twist on and put you know, like little strange quotes that Tom Baker may have made 40 years ago that suddenly become part of the text of what you're writing. Yeah, it's it's drawing it all in. I mean, I, I've got a your whirlpool of bits. And I've got pieces. a memory for things like that. You know, mm. it, that's probably the ASD talking. I I never realized that it was it was a unique gift until I realized several years ago now, that I could name every Doctor Who story from an unearthly mm. child to survival in order, mm. from memory, mm. and also quote the writer, director, mm. designer, music, mm. main guest stars. Mm. I could actually write an episode guide from memory, mm. which is not something that every Doctor Who fan can do, mm. which I thought it was absolutely normal for mm. any fan of a TV series to be able to do that, but mm. you, you can't, can you? It is strange sometimes when you see people discussing something that they've only just found out and you, and you sort of go, oh, isn't that common knowledge? 
you know, and that again is is a weird thing about being a, an archive TV fan is that you do make those connections, you join those dots, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can't do. I, I mean, I love I love old TV. Mm. I grew up with it. Mm. You know, and the cult TV stuff mm. is it, it's not just cult TV isn't just science fiction to me. Mm. It's crossroads. It it's old episodes of The Saint mm. and stuff like that. Mister Rose. Mm. <laughs> and you sort of mine all this and yeah. sort of put it through that Andrew Mark Thompson machine and yeah. out the other end comes these pages which are quite frankly beautiful I'll tell you a little secret How, mm. anyone can really do it is mm. just to put two disparate things together mm. you take Mr Rose and I don't know a Viewmaster mm. <laughs> yeah, make, yeah. Make, a, make a Viewmaster a, a reel of, of Mr Rose Police 5 I, I've mm. done a Police 5 Viewmaster do you remember Police Five with Shaw oh, yeah. Taylor? Mm-hmm. Keep them peeled. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know they they license just about every TV show onto mm-hmm. a viewmaster. Why not Police Five as well? <laughs> and you can have the photographs of the incidents, and people can mm-hmm. actually then write in. And you know you've seen them in three D. Mm-hmm. I think I've still got Shaw Taylor's Brooke Bond PG tips <laughs> <laughs> somewhere on a shelf. So I know what you mean. But what fascinates me about this is that. Mm-hmm. The reference material you use and the stuff you're referencing, I mean, it, it, quite often it's it's those familiar pages from things like the Sunday supplements that yes. somehow you, you know, the, the Franklin Mint and all that kind of thing that you seem to have just absorbed and, and you do it so accurately. They, they really irritate me. Not the ones you've done. Yeah, well, the, the, the actual adverts, mm. the amount of tat... Mm. And I, I always use the word tap to describe my artwork and stuff mm. because it, a lot of it is it, it's based on tat. Mm. Um, the fact that, to me, a collector's edition of something is something that appeals to a collector, mm. right? And a collector doesn't want to collect tat, mm. right? And that's the, the beautiful sort of irony mm. and vicious circle that this awful stuff that... There's a piece in This Is A Fake about Doctor Who handbags, mm. Tom Baker's Dear Ladies handbags. Mm. It's the Dear Ladies of the Tom Baker era, Amelia Ducat, Amelia mm. Rumford, and um, Granny Tyler. Mm. And it's just that their faces celebrated on a series of handbags, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, that sounds absurd, doesn't it? Mm. But when you actually look into it, you'll see that the handbags are actually the same design of handbags that um, are offered by one of these companies mm. as an Elvis Presley collector's handbag. Good God. Right? And they feature Elvis in his in his different periods, as it were. <laughs> you know, from Las Vegas to yeah. the jailhouse rock to the wartime, you know, when he was a GI and stuff. And you could you can look at the history of, of Elvis Presley through a handbag. Hmm. I'm fascinated that there's this whole world of Barbie, isn't there? And you can get Barbie in just about every outfit in the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Yet, if you were a person who bought Van Gogh's originals, you wouldn't necessarily also want a Van Gogh sunflowers mug or teapot or whatever. But there seems to be this thing that if you're interested in that, you'll want absolutely everything with it blasted on. And I think it's a very interesting sort of subculture of fandom, of collecting, of television archiving. You know, I, I mean, we recently talked about the demise of Network, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but did you always feel the need to order every different version of something when it was released? Or basically, if you had the shows, were you happy enough that you had the shows? I'm happy enough that I've, ha- I've got 
samples of the shows. I mean, mm. I don't necessarily want every episode of mm. everything. I'm, a, I'm not that much of a collector. That much of a collector. Mm. I'm happy to have certain. I mean, the network did a Blu-ray of sample episodes of all the ITC shows, Retro mm. Action, I think it's called, mm. and that gives you an episode of just about everything on. Mm. What's it? And I'm happy with all the episodes on there. Mm. I have Department S, I have mm. the Danger Man hour-long episodes, complete box sets of those. and But the, the rest of them, I'm happy just mm. to have an odd episode of them, just so you can stick an episode on. Get a feel for it. Mm. And listen to the music and, mm. you know, the title sequences. Being such a huge ITC fan, though, I was surprised how you didn't, in this book, you didn't actually push the ITC much. I know you got the lovely Lady Penelope stuff. Yeah, but, uh, was that a choice you made? It's not. It's not. A, it, it's it's having the ideas. I mean, the mm. the, the ITC stuff back in the sixties um, was actually quite well merchandised. Mm. Well, I say well merchandised. You had annuals, didn't you? Yeah, and the toy cars. Yeah, yeah, toy cars and and stuff. Mm. And it would have been nice to do. But the thing is, when you do say, I don't know, a dinky toy, Randall and Hopkirk's Mini Moke mm. or something like that. It's it's a bit too real. Mm. You want to do something completely absurd mm. with things like that. Well, I know that I'm the generation that grew up. We all wanted a Bessie. Yeah, yes. We all wanted a dinky toy Bessie. Not well, eventually. Normal. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> but not when we were the age when we really wanted it. If you see what yeah. I mean. So anyway, getting back to the book, how did the book itself come about? That was very simple. It was just there, there was a book came out years back this, this tells you how long it is it's taken me to write the darn thing mm. there was a book called the doctor who atlas right which wasn't i, I thought this is going to be an interesting book it's going to be mm. lots of maps of planets mm. maps you know detailed plans of where unit hq is and mm. maps of gallifrey and things like that but it mm. wasn't it was a it was a very nicely illustrated book mm. of just you know illustration showing things on you know in and it was very loosely an atlas. Mm. It sort of disappointed me. Right. Right. The criticism of the book is the fact I don't think it should have been called a Doctor Who atlas. Mm. It called a, a Doctor Who gazetteer. Is that the yeah. term I'm looking for? You know, something, you know, pl about, pl it's yeah. a book about places. It felt mislabeled. Yeah. 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 So I, I did, a, I, I went back to, I thought I, I can do some maps. Mm. And I went back and did a Mickey take of the Dalography of Scaro mm. from the first Dalek book. I took the outline of that and then redid it all with funny labels and stuff on mm. silliness. Mm. You know, it, I mean, it's silly in itself because there's a continent called Darren. Mm. So I had another continent called Derek. Mm. <laughs> um, I must admit, I'm still chuckling over the island of gushing yogurt known yes. as Danone. Danone. Yeah. Mm. No, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's also a, a continent called Dervla, mm. whose capital is Kerwin, <laughs> which I, I quite like. I mean, things like that. I, I'm put, mm. You know, I made it a. What's it? And I, I posted it, and David J. Howard, Telos Books, came in and said, Can you do a whole book of these? Mm. I said, Ooh. The problem with, I'm always conscious of, is, is you do. The joke. If, if I was to do. It, it's the same joke over and over mm. again. If mm. I did a map of Telos, mm. you'd end up doing the same sort of mm. jokes with silly names and things. Mm. A whole book of that would be... Quite tiresome eventually. Uh, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's mm. not like writing a factual book whereby mm. it's different information on different maps. Mm. It'd end, it end up being the same sort of jokes on the same yeah. 
sort of maps and things, you could probably get away with five or six maps. Yeah. The joke. You could do a calendar, but a whole book might be stretching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's, that's a good point, that is. I might do a calendar of them. <laughs> a calendar of Doctor Who maps. That's copyright me now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I know it might be your recording, but that, that's that's <laughs> mine. That's mine. I'm, I'm registering it as soon as I... <laughs> no, seriously. But what what I said, I, I, I pitched him the... How about doing it sort of a, a disparate book of... Like a scrapbook. Yeah, ephemera kind of similar, thing. Similar to the... Um, uh, what's those... The goodies file. And oh, right. Python and Pepperbot. I was thinking of those vault things that had things tucked inside and what have you, but quite... It would have been nice to do that if the budget mm. had... Mm. What's it? Actually, put things inside the book. Mm. I'll come to that later. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that, that that was the idea, and that, mm. he, he quickly commissioned me to do it, mm. which I, I was very um, terrified. Ter- I was terrified. It's yeah. nice to be asked. Yes. Be wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's terrifying to accept mm. when you say yes, mm. and you get the contract through. You suddenly realise that. Oh God, I've got to do this now. I mean, I. I this is the thing. You you sign a contract with any book publisher, and nine times out of ten they give you an advance, mm. and it becomes something of a a millstone around your head. The fact you've mm. been paid for it already mm. and you've got to finish it, mm. and I don't like that sort of pressure. Mm. So it was. It became well. I, I mean, one of the stipulations I made in my contract was the fact that you don't pay me until I've actually finished the damn thing. Mm. <laughs> no, fair right? And that's that's fair enough. You know. It, it took the pressure off, mm. but it, it's a factor. It made me, you know, less. But I think people don't realise it's all very well to have the idea to do a map, and it's all very well to have an idea and the names and the words you might put on that. Yeah. But then bringing that all together into an interesting graphic image is not a straightforward process. I mean, there's a no. lot of work involved in that, isn't there? There's a lot of work. There's a lot of inspiration you've mm. got to have, and it, it's got a. It comes from somewhere. You don't know where it's going to come from. Mm. You can start doing the map with a few jokes. Mm. I mean, let's, let's go back to square one. You've got mm. the, the blank map. Mm. You put the things in the, the identifiers, the yeah. thing, you know, the, the names of the Dalek continents on Scaro, mm. right, which you need there to, to, to basically show it's a Dalek map. Mm. And then you've got to start putting in little details. And mm. all those, de- you don't have those details in your head at the start. No. You don't have them on paper either, do you? I mean, you've got to make them. And I, I needed another name for the bottom right-hand corner, and, and mm. all, all that came to mind, things that keep chapping mm. up, was Dervler, mm. a, a Dervler, and, and and somewhere mm. underneath the the name, the, the continent of Dervler was the capital city, Kerwin. Mm. So it's, it's a little visual gag that is, mm. you know, the, the proximity of the two. It it, it makes it it make, it's funny, it's absurd, mm. it doesn't really mean anything, mm. and things like the you know, you're looking for names that begin with D and mm. Danone mm. as is the continent or the volcano of gushing yogurt mm. and Dagenham and Dagenham. Well, you have to know your Terry Nation for things like North Tarrant and South Tarrant. They're funny if you know the joke, aren't they? Yeah, but... yeah, that's it. You've got to. You could call it an in joke. You could call it, mm. you know, a running gag. Mm. I mean, Tarrant is a. It, it's the equivalent of, of Terry Nation doing a running gag. Mm. Right, it's a corruption of his own name, mm. or it could be a reference to a producer he once worked with, Alan Tarrant. Mm. Right, we don't know. He likes putting personal names in as well as descriptive names. You know, like again, you know, Desperus is a penal colony because the, the inhabitants are desperate. 
Scaro is scarred. Aridus is is a desert planet that used to be wet. Aridus. Aridius. Aridius. How come it's called Aridius? Because it was once a water planet. Mm. You know, has it always been called Aridius? Mm. There we go. A Mechanus. The, the mechanoids weren't always there. It's a jungle planet. It should be called Junglus. And, and Spyrodon. Spyrodon, yes. Spyrodon, Spyrodon, yes. Were they all sort of working on spirographs? Is, is that, yeah, there's, there's lots of circles on that planet. <laughs> Spyro. So you've been doing this at yeah. your own amusement for years. How much new stuff did you have to do for the book? I'd say it's half and half with the book. Hmm. Even the old stuff that I put in, that I, I, I was really happy with. There's, there's hmm. very few... I've tweaked it. I've done a George Lucas on it, you know. Yeah, but I think, I mean, you've got those pages where you've used dozens of the old annual, you used to do spoof annual covers, didn't you? That that was one of the problems. That, that, mm. that, that's one of the problems you've got. You do an annual mm. cover, right, and it's a single gag, really. Mm. You, you might be able to get some more little gags out of yeah. the, the text on it, you know, but it is it, it takes up a whole page if you put it in there. Yeah. full size and i just came up with this idea of making it look like one of those old case catalog yes and i got as many in as i could mm. and just rely on the fact that there's an annual for this mm. tv show which mm. there really shouldn't be mm. you know like all, all the recent drama series that we mm. had you know like vigil and the bodyguard and mm. well i think that's the interesting thing isn't it because you've got these these things each one must have taken you you know a few hours to do and, yes, and you look at a page like that, and it represents days of work, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this, this is the the thing. I mean, to me, there's an element of nostalgia in doing it like that because that mm. that's something I remember as a kid. Because my my mum mm. was a a Cade's catalogue agent, I think that that's what they called them. Mm. And I remember around August time, the Christmas catalogue would turn up, mm. and there was always a page of annuals. And it gave you an idea of what annuals would be, be available that year. And nine times mm. out of ten, the Doctor Who annual was there. And that's the first time you see what the Doctor Who annual looks like. Mm. I certainly remember that's the first time I saw that there was going to be a Blake 7 annual. Right. You know, it was tapping into that. And it was just a matter of getting a decent annual, a, dis, a decent catalogue page, mm. remember, you know, to, to, to use as a sort of template to put these yes. annuals in. And it, if you look, I mean, some of the annuals are old-fashioned ones, some of them are new ones, but they're all in there. Mm. I'll be honest, I think I've managed to get just about all of the annuals I've done mm. into, into the book. I mean, there's some modern ones in there, there's Nolly, mm. there's, there's, some, there's one for Van der Velk, there's that, that dreadful new TV series. Mm. You know, things like that, you know. So when were you actually commissioned to do the book? That was, that was when, <laughs> if you look back in your notes, mm. it was when the Doctor Who Atlas came out. Oh, right. I, okay. I can't remember when that was. Yeah. That was. I think it was a couple of years ago. Right, so it's a, it's a good couple of years' work this yeah. represents. I'd say, yeah. I'd say I was a year behind my deadline, my original mm. deadline for it, because it, it took a lot longer. The thing is, with those those old books... Those, those, uh, the Goodies file and the the Monty Python books. Mm. They had a team on the design side, mm. as well as a team of writers. So mm. it was a collective sort of thing. I was doing this all on my own, mm. right, um, in my spare time and stuff. Mm. And although I'm reasonably quick on the mm. draw, design, you know, doing things, it, 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 
it's still a, a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's one thing to design the, say, a version of the Jackie cover based on yeah. the old Jackie comic yeah. and and using characters from Doctor Who to... to yeah, there's a lot of Jackies in Doctor Who, wasn't there? There was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but there's one thing to do that. But then it's another thing to then take that and design a book that everything graphically seems to work across a, a whole range, 128 pages, you know. Yeah, is exactly. that Getting the style of a book is much more difficult in some ways than putting just the individual elements together. There's no style to the book. It's a collection mm. of different styles. You, mm. you, some of the stuff dates back to the 40s and 50s, mm. that, that sort of aesthetic. Some of mm. it's quite modern. But each of the pages works overall you know what i'm saying i will put that down to the fact that david j howe put everything in chronological order mm. which i didn't originally do mm. <laughs> right to give it some kind of um you know everything leads yeah. it's history of doctor who mm. but it isn't you know everything's mm. in chronological order and that mm. that's what made me do the two the two final pages mm. were done after everything else we, we put everything together Mm. I needed two pages for really, really, really up to date. So I did mm. those sex education novelization. Ah, yes. Which which are based on the look of um, the look of the old Grange Hill books. And I, I'm, I'm really there's some nice nice little gags for people in the know on mm. that. I'll let you in on one of them. Okay. There's there's five novels of sex education: Sex Education Home and Away, Sex Education for Sale, and mm. they're all the, the titles are all based on Grange Hill books. Mm. The authors of each of the books are people well-known for pornography. <laughs> so you've got Timothy Lee, mm. writer of the, uh, the the Confessions book. Right. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Arson, the Emmanuel of the 19th. Mm. Alex Comfort, the, the writer of Joy of Sex. Mm. Benjamin Dover, <laughs> the father of the kid from um, Outnumbered. Right. The oldest boy in Outnumbered, mm. his father's bend over, the well-known pornographer. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's a joy. You're, you're flicking through these pages, and there's all these moments. Yeah. I mean, for example, there are just little tiny throwaway gags, like the 1984 in colour, and just saying that uh, colours may cause colour blindness, or may cause blindness, you know. And I just think that's the amount of stuff in there. The thing that impresses me there's a reason for everything well the thing that impresses me is those radio times and tv guide spoof pages because there's a lot of writing in there and quite often it's just throwaway gags isn't it oh, oh the reason those are in it, i mean they, they have very tenuous connections to doctor who and cult tv those those, mm. those tv listed but as a kid uh, at school mm. um i mean this is probably where it all started mm. at school when i was in sort of you know the fifth and sixth form and whatnot me and a mate were given carte blanche to write a funny comic right a, a school comic a mickey take of the actual school magazine mm. you know and and it was all silly stuff you know it was all done with pritt stick and stanley knife cutting things out and stuff and, mm. and putting silly captions on it uh, the, the one i always remember was the advert for the the british deodorant corporation right which was, um, it was the advert for British Gas. And they used right. to have this this advert that said, if you smell gas, ring us. Well, we mm. took the word gas out, mm. right, and just stuck it on a page. And it said, if you smell, ring us. 
<laughs> and of such things is greatness. In yeah, those but, it's, it's a silly joke, but it's funny. Mm. And one of the mm. things I, we, I did was take old radio and TV times. Mm. And God knows how I did it. I probably because I had little fingers when I was when I was mm. when I was a kid, cutting out words from the Radio Times and repositioning them like mm. like um, a very intense, careful ransom note oh, yeah. page, right? And making up these silly TV shows like mm. you know it's, it's a Star Trek with Stuart Hall, mm. you know, and, and using the and everything. And then you when you photocopied it. It actually looked like a proper billing. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yes, but I mean that's kind of commemorated in the three pages of the Bank Holiday Weekend Radio Times that it feature in this book, which is wonderful. I mean, what I like about it is is the fact that you just get like the co-op ad for Imipack. I, I just think that's a beautiful little in joke that people would pick up on. That, that's a, a, a case of necessity because you, mm. you, if you're doing a page from the radio Times, you've got to put a, a stupid advert in there. Mm. The, Again, the, 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 um, the, the aftershave, moustache aftershave. Moustache, featuring uh, the, the one and only lovely uh, Peter Wingard. Yeah, Peter Wingard. You can tell a man by the size of his moustache. That was <laughs> something like that. Uh, Did you, uh, when you're finding reference material for this, I mean, how, how hard is it to find something appropriate? I mean, the, you've got some interesting old photographs that accompany the, uh, you know, the making of Doctor Who stuff. And I just think, where do you find these things? I'll be honest, you just come across them on the internet, to mm. be honest. I always attempt to do as much work on them as possible to mm. to claim them as my own mm. without having to pay copyright. But you're doing something as a, um, what's the word, as a satire and parody mm. that you, you like to be, you've got to be able to change the, the meaning of the, the original. Yeah. By, by using Photoshop mm. and stuff, flipping them and what's it? Well, those old but, railway photographs that oh, some war machines and what have you, you know. I, 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 that was, you know, old old monsters on at railway station. Mm. But those are sort of those postcards you used to be able to, mm. used to get with the little captions on them, you know, mm. the 415 at, at Paddington. Mm. That's a Agatha Christie, isn't it? Mm. Well, you know what I mean. Oh, yes. There's a photo in the, the section that deals with the aftermath of the first Doctor Who garden fate. Oh, yes. <laughs> of people gathered around what appears to be a bonfire type thing and mm. smashing something to bits. And if you look carefully in the photo, mm. the thing they're smashing to bits looks like a police box. It does, yes. There's a piece. And I never, I didn't put that police box shaped front door in there. Mm. All I did was flip it, flip the, the, the image and mm. put the, the pull to open sign in there. Mm. And the whole thing changes its its meaning and stuff, but it, it's a peculiar it's a peculiar photo, the original one, because mm. it does really look as if they're smashing to bits a police box prop. But it is a beautiful combination of a smashing of ideas, really, isn't it? I think that's the thing. I mean, you've got you do your Cluedo, you take the idea that Cluedo can be done as as the delegates from Dalek Master Plan, and yeah, and that, that was that must be just so much. I mean, just the images you have to create. There must be a lot of effort to, to get that what one of the, one of the problems a lot of the the older stuff it's 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 black and white you know mm. you, I, i'm fascinated by the daleks master plan you probably mm. gathered that mm. and doing a cluedo based on it mm. you, you've got to have you, you know you've got to do a bit of colorizing of pictures mm. and stuff and you know it's 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 a bit of a labor of love 
the Cluedo thing. I mean, there, there's all sorts of. It's like Monopoly, isn't it? That you can mm. get Star Wars Monopoly and mm. Doctor Who Monopoly and mm. stuff like that, can't you? Mm. And it, 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 you obviously can't. I mean, even if you were to say, "Well, there's a Crossroads Monopoly," mm. right? It's actually not. It's not necessarily funny because it's actually quite plausible mm. that somewhere there's a Crossroads Monopoly. Mm. But when when you with Cluedo, I thought, you know, it, it's it's a nice way to show off the delegates because they're mm. there in that mission to the unknown and mm. that they're individual people. And mm. You know nothing about them mm. other than the fact that their name is Malfa or mm. Salation or what's it. And it's it's like the characters in the in the Cluedo game, Professor mm. Plum. They might as well be called Professor Plum, Miss Scarlet, mm. um Mrs. White, mm. I'm, I'm going through them all now, and and throwing that and putting that onto mm. onto the delegates. So you've mm. got these things, and you've also got some decent weapons in there as well. You've mm. got the time destructor, you've got a Dalek extermination gun, a mm. Vargathorn, <laughs> and then it, it folds into the oh, you've got the, the Dalek base you can use as the thing. Mm. So you've got places like the the control room, mm. the delegates' quarters, and things, mm. and it. It's an it, it's one of those things that so somebody who gets a good idea mm. and it, it links into other things. Mm. Oh, let's let's do Dalek Master Plan as Cluedo, and mm. then everything sort of falls Follows. into place. That's yeah. one of the things that falls into place. And you've got also who murdered the mysterious Zephon because he does get killed, doesn't he? One of them does. Well, whatever. Anyway. Mm. But you see, this is the thing uh, to me because uh, you've managed to. You may not have done Crossroads Monopoly, but you've done. Crossroads battles in King's Oak, which well, that, is just that's, wonderful. That's 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 another one that fell into place. Mm. You know, you you think of the old Doctor Who battles in time, mm. and it, hugely successful thing, wasn't mm. it? You know, and you 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 wonder what's the most absurd thing mm. that could could also go into that book. Because mm. you, you could have a Star Trek battles mm. battles in space. Mm. You could have a Game of Thrones one. Mm. You could have there's all the obvious ones. Mm. Right, but the most absurd one I could think of was doing doing a crossroads battles in King's Oak, and then it falls. You you you, you fall into things doing the little cards. Mm. You can do that that silly cover up. There's a, there's a cover for the magazine mm. in there about the the attempted mm. murder of David Hunter, mm. and it, it's all done in the style of the battles in time. But that's the thing. That's the style that gets me. It's it's the whiff of authenticity that you manage yeah. to bring to these things, which I think is is actually the the genius of it. It's it's really they are beautiful things because they're almost convincing enough to make yeah. you think they do exist. They've got to be authentic looking, but at the same mm. time they've got to be funny. Mm. I, I I've always said that there's got to be an absurdity to them that, that raises a that, mm. that activates your chuckle muscle, as mm. Ken Dodd used to say, and. This is the thing that the um, this I've also put in a load of the um, the actual battles in King's Oak cards there, mm. and most most they're all jokes. Mm. They're all they're all gags in themselves. Mm. My favourite is it's it's a stupid one. Is a picture of Sue Nichols, and underneath it it says you've won ten pounds in a you you've come second <laughs> in a beauty contest for ten pounds, <laughs> which it's it's just I mean it's a silly. No, but it's but that's the thing. It's, there's so many little throwaway gags, you know. I mean, even the fact that Dave Ross applied to to get the Dalek, you know, things yes, like that. David Ross, yes. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to give special 
mention to page 99 which is the bone kickers commemorative plate which is yeah which is a personal favorite i mean that that's nothing to do with doctor who that's just that's just my irrational hatred mm. of commemorative plates indeed but i just love that the wording i mean the wording is exquisite i mean the they followed the high octane adventures of dr magwild and her team as they confronted mysteries from the ancient past and dark villains who were somehow connected to them for some reason in the present that sums up the series just about as well as anybody ever did i'm so proud of the fact that i've got it on dvd mm. because it was released on dvd right and because mm. it was such a huge flop it was never spoken of again, never heard of again. So keep hold of that DVD because it's so rare. It's, it's hen's teeth because nobody mm. is ever going to try to make money out of that series ever again. But that's the thing. I, I know bought mine from Poundland, by the way. Yes, yes. I, I think I picked mine up for a quid somewhere. <laughs> I keep meaning to look how much it is at, uh, at CEX at the moment. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you see, this is the thing. I mean, I know a lot of it's been pushed on the Doctor Who connection of course it is but you do wonderful things like the Quatermass adventure well, that's obviously going to gel with someone like me who loves loves their Quatermass well, well that's still a Doctor Who mm. connection because it's done mm. in the style of the old Doctor Who adventures comic mm. Mm. I mean it, it's a strange thing now I mean it's it, the comics aren't what they used to be mm. I mean I'm going to sound like an old man now but <laughs> I remember, you know, TV 21 and TV mm. action, and you look at comics now. Mm. Um, it, all right, the, the fads passed, and kids aren't necessarily interested in comics now unless they've got free gifts with them. Mm. And they are firmly aimed at kids. But mm. my my memories of TV 21 mm. were, was my dad reading Fireball XL5 to me, mm. and I must have been about six or seven, mm. you know. And my dad read it with me, mm. and my, even in the 70s. Uh, my dad would read 2000 AD, not, mm. not, read, not read it to me. I was old enough to actually read it myself, mm. but he'd, he'd borrow the issue and he'd look Judge Dredd. Mm. And was that one with the Bill Savage? Oh, yes, Invasion. Yeah, he'd look well, Invasion 1999. Yeah. Might and, and he, all, he, he read it as well. But you can't, you don't get that with kids' comics mm. now. They're just aimed at kids. Mm. Are those the frames from Bill Savage that get used in the the Threads comic strip in the BB? magazine don't that don't, don't don't say that because it's it's it's, it's very naughty pinching somebody else's art <laughs> no i just wondered it, no, it's just, it's, i was trying to work out where it because it seems so spot on i mean even even the lettering seems spot on i just wondered it's it's just you, you just pull stuff from elsewhere and just change mm. its meaning you mm. know change its mm. alter its alter the reason for mm. it you know but obviously i don't want to spoil all the jokes in in the book you've probably I, spoiled I, most I, of them you don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to buy it now you know, don't. Buy. I'll give you a reason for buying it. Mm. Shall, shall I give? I'll give you. I'll give you a list. Well, the, ob the obvious ones is the writer of the book, yeah. And it's something that you haven't got. Mm -hmm. It's the freebie that you get with it. Ah. Order it direct from the website. I did a couple of pages of uh, cigarette cards. Again, mm. they were based on the Daleks' master plan mm. of the the delegates done as cigarette cards, mm. enemies of the Empire. Right. And you had things like you know. Yeah, Mavic Chen, and yeah. there was one of Doctor Who. Mm. There was one of, um, and all all the delegates, various mm. delegates, Century or so. And I did them. I, I I really pleased with the way the page came out because I mm. stuck them into a sort of like a, a stamp book, mm. a stamp collector's book. You remember those stamp collector's books with mm. the grids, and they were all stuck in, and there was little bits of 
at stamp hinges. Oh, yes. <laughs> you had to try and fold in half with tweezers. Yes. It looked it looked really effective. Mm. And I was re- so bloody pleased with it that mm. it looked so effective that I think David said, how about doing a complete set of them and mm. giving them away free? Mm. And that, that set my, my mind sort of boggling. So I eventually I, I, I agreed realizing i'd have to write all 36 backs of the cards (laughs) right so i I did 36 because Mm. because you have to do them in multiples of 12 i think it is Mm. so it was either 36 or 48 and Mm. i plumbed for 36 so i did 36 and he also said we need a little booklet as well so Mm. we turned it on its head slightly changed the thing you remember pg tips Brookbomb PG Tips mm. cards. Um, they're done after that. It's mm. like you're getting the the PG Tips cards for for this set of mm. enemies of the solar system, mm. and it's all based around sort of Hartnell, mm. William Hartnell, Doctor Who sort of thing. Mm. Um, but it, it's all set in the same unit, this this Dalek Master Plan universe. You know, if there are still pubs in a hundred years, they'll be hanging your artwork on the wall. <laughs> Yeah, like, like the old cricketers and what you get you get all 36 cards mm. plus the, the booklet to put them in oh right right which i had to put i put together pretty quickly and mm. it I, i've got i'm holding the booklet in my hand mm. as we speak right mm. it's got an introduction from the the guardian of the solar system there's a few adverts at the mm. end right but all the way through you've got places to stick all these lovely cards if you mm. want to ruin the book <laughs> right uh, or, or if you want to keep it pristine, then you keep the cards separate. Mm. But it looks like mm. one of those albums that you used to put the Brookbong PG Tips mm. cards in. Mm. The other thing flicking through the pages, I noticed, what was it about Ed Stupot Stewart that worried you so much? I don't know. That was That's me playing around with telling stories in different mm. forms. I, I, mm. love, I love it when people find different ways of telling stories. Mm. You remember, I mean, Ghost Watch is the obvious mm. one. You tell, tell a ghost story in the in the um, the medium of a a light entertainment show. Yes, there, there was that Sherlock tale that, mm. that Joe Lidster was involved with, where it was told via tweets, mm. and it, it was a coherent story told as as a tweet along. Mm. And I like things like that. And what I did with the it's it, it's actually three pages, three adverts mm. for looking books. Mm present you know with, with ed stewart who mm. edited looking allegedly <laughs> um telling you about these wonderful books that looking mm. have, have published but mm. the image of ed stewart on these on these adverts has actually become sentient uh-huh. uh, through some temporal what's it and, and wants to take over first he wants to take over ed stewart and then he wants to rule the world and, and descend into an apocalyptic dark chaos and Luckily, Sapphire and Steel are in, in looking as well. And so and they notice what's happening. And you tell this story of them trying to tackle him. And the climax at the end, the, the Sapphire and Steel manage to get on the page, but they're only in black and white. <laughs> it's all right because Sapphire is blue. She, her blueness comes through. So it, it allows all her dialogue to be written in blue. Mm. <laughs> right. And, and it, tells, it tells a story, doesn't it? Mm. And I'm, I'm telling a story through this. Yeah. these three adverts mm. and you even got the theme music at the end mm. there's a little mp3 that uh, you click on and it's it, it plays the theme music only it doesn't because it's a page <laughs> it's book 
So that's me at my most absurd. Well, we like that. We like that. I mean, are you happy with it? You, you've seen it now. It's, oh it's, gosh, yes. yes, I am happy with it. I, I, I had a lot of anxiety mm. as it was going to press mm. when David said, "That's it. It's all done now. I've sent mm. it off to the printers." Mm. But luckily, it came back. We came back pretty quick, to be honest. Mm. And I ended up with a copy in my. I, well, I tell you what. What frightened me half to death was was David publishing an unboxing. Mm. video of him unboxing mm. it and seeing all these copies of the book in that box and i'm mm. thinking to myself god i hope there's i hope there's no er there's no spelling mistakes and mm. errors and things like that because mm. I, I when i when i submitted the book that he said he came back with a load of spelling mistakes and mm. little errors some mm. of the spelling mistakes were on purpose yes yes i do like playing around with words mm. um stunnering mm. you know this is a stunnering collection of yeah. you know, the e said is that spelt right now so it's meant to be like that mm. I, I just like spelling words wrong occasionally mm. i did a um, android Atara video cover mm. and i misspelt count grendel's title mm. on it uh, but then you kind of think they would have done wouldn't they yeah they, they would have and, and immediately withdrawn it from sale <laughs> because of the, uh, the spelling error but there's this, this things like that that would really mm. i'm paranoid mm. about because i'm not a I, I, but after I, I, after all this work, yeah, are you done with it, or do you still are you still producing new and exciting ideas? Really, is volume two coming? I've not really done much. I, as soon as I'd finished, submitted, I felt a bit, you know, well, what, what what next? So I, yeah. I I did I did do a few bits and pieces that weren't mm. weren't in the book. I did some mm. the women from Unit novels. Mm. You know, I mean, they probably would have ended up in the book if I had done them last mm. year. But uh, and do you have another project lined up? Not really. No, mm. I, I'm I'm resting on my laurels at the moment, feeling mm. a bit lost. Because... But because I know from what I do, it's very hard to convince yourself that something is finished and you want to go back and tinker. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and do you find yourself even now looking at the ones in the book and going, "Oh, I could just, I could just." Not, you know. not so much. No. Are you actually sick of the sight of some of them? Or? <laughs> there, there was one... Ah, yeah, you, you say that. Mm. Uh, you've probably seen... I, I tweeted a few things that didn't make it into the book. Mm. And there's one particular thing that I did mm. get sick of the sight of because the amount of mm. detail and mm. thought and the time it took to actually do it and the fact that mm. I had to do it twice because I mm. lost the original. Mm. I really wanted to put in the book. And that was that Doctor Who car chase... Oh yes, Gay Electric set mm. um, based around Planet of the Spiders, and it, it, mm. it's, the box art is based on um, a James Bond set mm. that came out in the sixties, and I just applied it to that chase sequence in, mm. in Doctor Who and the Planet of the Spiders with the, the Hoomobile and the, mm. the gyrocopter and all that. And I put all that into it, put yeah. the details, put descriptions of the cars and things on the mm. on the box, and spent ages rearranging this mm. this awful portrait of john mm. pertwee to put on there and mm. it took me ages to do and I, it really does that though i say so myself touch wood whatever you do it, it looks authentic mm. right i tinted it in a certain way to make it mm. look yellowy and you know make mm. it a bit what's it brilliant but i by the end of it i realized I can't just put the box on there. Mm. I've got to put some kind of context with it. Mm. You know, and I, I've done too many pages where I put little typewritten mm. captions on it, which, which never... Watched. And I, I, I realised I had to do a, a page 
an mm. advert for it. The other thing as well, it, because it's a landscape box, mm. it would only take up half the page. And I mm. realized a lot of the writing on it would be lost. Mm. Well, and I didn't want to spread it over two pages because you mm. lose a lot in the gutter. Mm. So in the end, I couldn't really use it. I mm. should have, when I went to read... Free poster! I, yes, that's it. <laughs> I should have, when I'd gone back to do it, make the box upright. Mm. Right? But these are the things, aren't they? I didn't want people to have to shift the book round to look no. at something that was landscape, you know. But it's good authentic. That's the thing. It's good authentic. And as a, I mean, even the stuff that's bad authentic is good authentic. I mean, those yeah. that thing where you pick the wrong sort of Doctor Who photograph for the publicity, you know, like the, uh, you know, so all the doctors are, are not quite the photograph you'd expect them for. I just think that's a really nice touch. That's that unofficial mm. Doctor Who. It's an unofficial history of Doctor Who, mm. where, whereby all the photos are, are essentially they're not of the Doctor ish. Mm. I mean, you, mm. you always pick that that mm. you know, photo of William Hartnell. Yeah. You, you write a piece about William Hartnell being the first Doctor, and you stick mm. a picture of Richard Herndon there mm. by mistake. Mm. You know that there was a magazine that came out mm. a few years ago that Russell T Davies found on a newsstand in Manchester and tweeted about mm. or Instagrammed about. Mm. That was, 100% unofficial Doctor mm. Who celebration. Mm. And there it was this wonderful cover mm. with all the Doctors on it. Mm. And the picture of William Hartnell was Richard Herndall. Mm. I mean, nowadays, I think the official standee is David Bradley, isn't it? You know, it's, 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 yeah. it, you see that occasionally and you think, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think that David Bradley's more, at least David Bradley is mm. official. Mm. Right. Whereas Richard Herndall sticking him as up as mm. William Hutt, the first Doctor, mm. it's a bit. Um, it just shows a bit of ignorance mm. on the grounds of the thing. But I did that whole Doctor Who thing, yeah, mm. picking out all the, the you know. Yeah. But they take some finding, don't they? That's the thing. Finding one that's exactly right but wrong takes a lot of effort. Some, somebody said that their favourite bit in the book was misidentifying a picture of of Caroline John as Liz uh, Truss. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Truss. And it's that lovely picture of Liz Truss with her uh, with her uh, uh, socks at half mast. <laughs> if you look carefully, it's that dreadful, it's a dreadful lady. No, well, no, I I genuinely think it is a work of art. It's a very beautiful thing. Would you want to quickly give us another plug? Liz Truss, a work of the art. The book. Oh, the book. Oh, the book. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. I, I really appreciate people saying things like that. Mm. It, it's we, our, our hours up, isn't it? It is pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can edit out all the rubbish. Well, you know, <laughs> it'll be a ten-minute show. Don't worry. Can I plug the um, the book? You may indeed. I've been plugging the book for an hour. I can say it's it's available from Telos Books to order mm. at www.telos.co.uk. Do you know when it's actually dropping into people's lives? I have no idea whatsoever. Mm. It's there's this David. Uh, David's got three. Telos has got three, four books coming out all at the same time based around Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, there's a lovely art book by Daryl Joyce. A lovely art book, his, you know, mm. lots of lovely paintings based around the series. There's a, a Doctor Who fanzine book, mm. which, again, I, I might I might even be in that because ah. I did a few fanzines in the 80s. Um, otherwise, it's a sort of chronicle of fandom, basically. Mm. Very, very detailed. And it's it's got an introduction by Chris Chibnall. Mm which is nice. Mm. And then there's uh, the Doctor Who production diary. That's it, by mm. David Rudd for, for mm. the Hartnell mm -hmm. years, which um, I, I've contributed to the, to the Troughton one, I know. Yeah. 
because I lent them my, I, I sent David Brunt mm. uh, a scan of my scripts. So are we going to get all four authors together anywhere? It's funny you should say that. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we're doing a signing on September the second at mm. Hooverville. I'll be mm. there. Mm-hmm. Daryl Joyce will be there. I know mm-hmm. that. I know the other two authors are attempting to be there, mm-hmm. but um, we're, we're doing a, it's it's a little launch. Mm. It's it's the book launch, as mm. it were, for it. So there'll, there'll be one bottle of champagne and uh, whatever plastic cups we can. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing is, you need to get some plastic cups printed from your, from your emporium of strange tat, as it were. I've made a box of Telleshire tea, mm. which which will, will probably be there. But um, Well, maybe that's what we'll be serving up instead of the champagne. But uh, tea. fabulous. Well, we'll all look forward to that. I might even be there myself, so you never know. So... Uh, that's so right. we'll, we'll, we'll remind you that remember it's it's September no, the third. For sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, September the second. There's still some tickets left, but they're selling mm-hmm. out very very fast. In fact, by the time this goes out, they'll, have they'll be sold out. In fact, by the time this goes out, the event will have probably happened. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a schedule. I can shuffle it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Andrew. All it's right. been an absolute joy. And it's a lovely piece of work, honestly, and I, I really hope people go out and buy it by the million. I, I hope people like it, and I hope people are not offended by it much. I'm sure they won't be. You take care, man. Cheers. Many thanks to Andrew Mark Thompson for joining us to talk about his rather wonderful new book, This is a Fake, which, whilst copies might by now have started to actually appear in our world, at time of recording is available to pre-order online via telos.co.uk alongside the three other books Andy mentioned. The fanzine book by Alistair McGowan, the illustrated journey by Daryl Joyce and the Doctor Who production diary volume one by David Brunt, as well as many other publications. All of those four titles are currently planned to be launched at Hooverville 14 on September the 2nd at the Quad in Derby, so hopefully some of you will be joining Andrew and the other authors there. Thanks also to David J. Howe for providing the preview material which made this show possible. In the meantime, that's all from Vision on Sound for this week, but I do hope that you'll join us again next time for some more Archive TV fun. Before I go, I just need to thank everyone at the actual Fab Radio International for everything that they appear to do. And of course, my thanks go out to each and every one of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin, and this has been Vision on Sound. Or has it? Goodbye for now, and take care.